This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Welcome in to episode 42 of Boston Loose Baseball. Grant, Danny, and Darius with you. Why don't we start with the saddest tweet of all time? I mean, literally a just a, a tweet that'll make you cringe. Uh, nobody did anything wrong. The Nationals were honoring their players of the year. The local media was voting on players of the year based on the players that are available to them. But uh, if Rock Bottom had a picture... It would be my screen grab of a Nats tweet honoring hitter of the year Lane Thomas, pitcher of the year Erasmo Ramirez for 2022. Sad horn. Uh, you know, person alone in a raining field looking for a lost puppy. That was what that tweet was. I get it. I mean, you, you can't say Juan Soto's the player of the year. Hasn't been here in two months, three months, whatever, whatever month this is. So, yeah, of who's left, I suppose that's what you do. But it's just one of those things where, Grant, I know I need to lose weight. I know I don't look that good, right? And I'll convince myself. I'll, I work out. I try to watch what I eat. and you know. But this morning I had pancakes, for example, so I'm sure I'll gain 11 pounds. But, like, every once in a while I'll just see a candid picture, and I'll go, oh, that's what I look like. That was that candid picture. That's what we look like. I'm aware that the team that's going to lead the league in losses isn't very good, and they don't have a lot right now at the major league level. Very clear to me. But when you when you put it that way, you can't hide. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do You can't twist that. You can't turn it into something else that it isn't. You can't go, hey, this was about the Spirit Award or something. No, no, no. Those were probably the right selections. And, oh, my God. Just tells you how far away they truly are at the moment. Their leader in home runs this year was Juan Soto, who has not been on the team since the start of August. Their leader in RBI this year was Nelson Cruz, who narrowly beat out Josh Bell, who has also not been on the team since the trade deadline. By the way, crazy that Nelson Cruz, with the year he had, just 10 home runs and 
a 235 average, led the team in runs batted in. But Lane Thomas, to his credit, was second on the team in homers with 17 uh, as an everyday player, got 500 at bats. So, you know, he'll never have to worry again. What if I would have just gotten 500 at bats one season instead then of being what happened? <laughs> an extra outfielder? Well, you'd have, you'd have had 17 homers and 50 RBI and eight stolen bases and hit about 245 with a 710 OPS. And it was not a terrible year for him. I mean, comparative to his peers in the clubhouse, he was the player of the year. I mean, you can make the case he was one of their top players this year. Uh, in fact, among regulars, his 710 OPS, qualifying full season regulars for the Nationals, that's tops on the board. You know, guys like Nelson Cruz, 650, and Cesar Hernandez, who played almost every day, 630. So Lane Thomas was probably deserving of the hitter of the year award. I probably would have just given it to Joey Manessis for two months and said what just happened was awesome and it'll look good 10 years from now when you look back and see his name and and you get to tell that story. But if we're going circuit to circuit all season long, there's only a handful of options, and of them, Lane Thomas was the best of those players. Lane Thomas, to me, is still a fourth outfielder. Lane Thomas, to me, is still a guy with versatility to play probably all three spots defensively on a first division team off the bench, run a little bit, hit for a little bit of power, you know, probably plays better brand of baseball on a better team. Uh, We've seen, you know, that happen where guys will go somewhere else and it's a 99 win team or whatever. And and you've got this role that's carved out and all of a sudden instead of hitting 240, you hit 287 you know, off the bench in a limited capacity or whatever. That's probably what should be happening. But because Lane Thomas is on the worst team in baseball, which they will be the worst team in baseball by record when the year ends here in a few hours, uh, he got to play 146 games or whatever it was. I like him a hair more than you do, but not much. I'm, I'm not a president of the fan club or anything. I'm with you on all the outfield positions. He had a great throw from right field last night that should have resulted in an out, quite frankly. Uh, uh, Trace Pereira didn't handle the throw particularly well, backed up the line, and then seemed surprised that a runner was coming and, and, and sort of was like, I should probably try to tag him. But by then it was too late. The guy was safe, but it was a really good plus defensive play. He, he's not world class, but he is a you know a, a above average outfielder, I think. I think he can be... He's an above average outfielder? Yeah, as, an, as a defensive outfielder. Oh, defensively. Yeah, I think okay. so. I, I thought I he's, not a, he's not a world beater. No, no, no. I, I think he can be, if it just it, it all depends on what you are. We talk about this all the time. What's your identity? Who are you next year? If it's a big overhaul, a bunch of spending, you know, four new players, and you gotta you gotta script somewhere, you gotta eke by somewhere, you could do worse than having him hit seventh in a pretty good lineup as your as your clearly your third best outfielder with an honest to goodness leadoff man, maybe a, a real legit bopper in a corner outfield spot. Maybe that's Joey Manessis, I don't know. But upgrades are needed everywhere. Nobody's saying that you don't need that. I think you can get away with having that guy in a far less marquee role. As someone, I think he can be a 250-20 homer guy, bottom-of-the-order type player. That's a that's a decent enough outfielder. But, but we're, we're, we're feeding out of the same trough here. Nobody's calling him a world beater. I mean, we just saw hit the full season. He wasn't 250 or 20. I, I guess, you know, he's a couple of good weeks away from, from those numbers. I get it. Like, before the year after the way he played last season, people came in and said— this is what Lane Thomas could be, but we just kind of saw it, didn't we? I mean, he just yeah, we saw got a lot, to play yeah. every single day. Now, I guess the argument could be on a, I always use the term first division, but on what I'll say is a really good team. If he was the left fielder playing 145 games on like the Yankees this year or something, what would those numbers look like? 
maybe the argument is that's where he performs better. He's got support. He's, you know, you're the seventh or eighth guy in the lineup, so there's no pressure and, and hitting and scoring is contagious or whatever. I don't know. I think this is what he is. I mean, that's kind of exactly what I would have expected. Now, what I didn't expect was that this would be the best season anybody had on the team. Yeah, that's that's the real point here. Which is tough. But, you know, 15 to 20 home runs and sub-10 steals is disappointing, to be honest. I would have thought he stole closer to 15 bags. But an OPS a little over 700. Like, those are kind of the numbers that I penciled in and, and felt like were coming and... You know, that's what we got. He hit 26 doubles. I think he can hit doubles, and and that's going to be part of his game. But I'm with you. Like, when Lane Thomas is playing, it's not like he's a liability at any point. When he's batting, you rarely get the—it's not like he comes to the plate and it's some, you know, light-hitting catcher where you go, oh, God, rally's over. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I just—I think if this team is winning division titles, he's a bench player. That's all I'm saying. I think that's a fair assessment. I— for me, I would I would certainly like to do better. But I guess the point I'm making is glass half full, you could certainly do a lot worse. And, you know, again, I don't think we're saying things that are too far apart. I just sort of feel like a guy that hadn't really had a chance to play, that's the first time he's been an everyday player, and I could see a slight improvement coming just because I, I think there's a nice little baseline there skill set-wise. But, again, that's that's neither here nor there. Nobody's calling him uh, a real MVP. You know, Shout-out Kevin Durant. Nobody's saying that this is a good state of the union, that he was their most consistent or best player or whatever. He basically had like a couple nice weeks with – Six months of mediocrity at best, you know. Like, remember that weekend he had like three home runs, and then you know that's a third of the season total. Right, <laughs> or that's, that's the what a total. bench player does. Yeah, it's kind of what happens, you know. But, you you say they could do, they could do a lot worse, and I get what you're saying. Like, he he has tools, but I, I would just counter with Ildemaro Vargas got called up and had almost 200 at bats and hit 280 with with the same OPS. Like, I, he's just a Triple A Freddie. You know what I'm saying? Like. Vargas is or, or Thomas is? Uh, I guess both. Vargas is. <laughs> but, but, like, your point is uh, uh, we're spending way too much time on Lane Thomas. But, uh, but I guess w- what I'll just say is you're acting like, yeah, he, I mean, but you could do worse. And I'm like, well, this is just what happens. When you play a guy every single day for a full season yep. in this era who's got a, you know, major league talent, they'll hit 17 home runs. I mean, again, Ildemaro Vargas this year – had a, a batting average almost 40 points higher in the same OPS, basically. Who is Ildemaro Vargas? I mean, he's just a guy from the minor leagues. You see what I'm saying? I do. So, I don't know. It, it is what it is. But it, I'm not be- I, it sounds like I'm beating up on Lane Thomas. I, I'm taking out my frustration on where we are as an outfit here on Lane Thomas, to be completely honest, because uh, he was one of the, the good eggs. Second on the team, by the way, in war. Now, Soto was number one this year. Bell was number two. They're both in San Diego, headed to the postseason with the Padres. Uh, Victor Robles was actually the team leader in B-War, uh, based on being terrific defensively, obviously. Lane Thomas was second. Vargas was third. Ruiz was fourth. Erasmo Ramirez was fifth. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. was sixth. Manessis was seventh. And then rounding out the top ten, you had Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan, and Anibal Sanchez at .8 wins. What are we uh, doing here, Rounding out the top ten. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, speaking of which, Erasmo Ramirez was their pitcher of the year. Uh, This one stung more than Lane Thomas did. You know, Lane Thomas at least, you know, gives you some highlights and some big moments and it's fun enough watching him. He's he's got some tools, as we said. He's got some speed, some power, whatever. Erasmo Ramirez is a 32-year-old journeyman. Good story from Nicaragua. Uh, was in Seattle for years as a, as a kind of a, a tweener reliever starter. Then a, a multi-inning guy went to Tampa, bounced back to Seattle. Uh, since 18, Mariners, Red Sox, Mets, Tigers, and now Nationals. 59 games in a sub-3 ERA. But his fielding independent pitching, Danny, is 4.14. He doesn't strike anyone out. Like six Ks per nine. I don't know. Nobody did anything wrong again. I understand how we got here that he's the pitcher of the year. I mean, he he had a lot of success for them. And just whatever role they needed. Like, oh, Josiah Gray can't throw tonight because it might rain. You're starting. Four innings, two runs. Oh, someone just left in the first inning because uh, they couldn't get outs. You're in the game. You know, he has to be stretched out for four frames or whatever. So he's given them everything they've asked. And and we talked to Mark Zuckerman about this, and he said that apparently Erasmo Ramirez was, like, giddy about winning this award, and it meant so much to him. And so I I don't want to take away from that or belittle that. Like, that's really cool, and I'm really excited for the guy. But, man, man, oh, man. When the guys that this year are making a combined $60 million, and that number is going to jump to to 70 here within uh, a season or two. That's such a good point. Go six and twenty with a combined ERA north of seven, and you know one of those guys makes a start and is now back. Who we'll, we'll talk about here shortly in Steven Strasburg, and your journeyman Jag reliever is available. He was fifth in innings pitched on this team. Fifth, he made appearances in every role that you could make appearances in. You know, the first guy up out of the bullpen, the opener, the middler, the all of it, always available. And in a season where anytime we saw something going okay, with a couple notable exceptions, that guy got shut down, that guy got hurt, that guy got traded, he was available. And again, the the larger point with Lane Thomas isn't that to, to diagnose what Lane Thomas is, you've correctly diagnosed what Erasmo Ramirez is. It's just that was the state of things. That's what this was. Before the season started... It now sounds laughable to say, but I was like, if a couple things, and these are major things, go okay, this team could make a little noise. They're not as good as the Braves. They're not as good as the Mets. They're probably a little a, a tier or two below the Phillies. But they could be the kind of team that you don't want to play on certain days if Strasburg can take the ball and be you know, fairly nasty. If Patrick Corbin finds himself again, you you could see a Soto Bell, maybe a young piece or two, if Victor Robles figures it out for at, at any point in time. All these things now sound laughable in retrospect as they're on their way to lead the league in losses, 104 as of this broadcast, uh, or as of this podcast. But it really showed the state of the union. It showed how bereft they were of answers. It showed how poorly some of their designs and hopes went and why they were so correct in pulling the plug and hitting detonate. And it started last year at, at the trade deadline, and it was only a matter of time before they really fully went in and, and you know dynamited the, the foundation of this thing and started anew to look two years or whatever in the, into the future. But it really is emblematic of the State of the Union of the organization. The idea that you couldn't get Josiah Gray 
to be their pitcher of the year, that it wasn't, you know, because he wasn't quite ready to do it, that it wasn't going to be Patrick Corbin because he had a bounce back year still with uh, another year or two remaining on his deal. It just shows you, man, that they are not in a good place. And that was probably the right call for who the pitcher of the year was. But, oh, my God, what does it say about us? Yeah, again, it's it's sad. I mean, it just is. I, mean, I, I get that you lose 100-plus and you, you're rebuilding by design, and I'm on board with the rebuild. I mean, I'm not one of these people who, who doesn't get this. I watched what the Astros and the Cubs and the Nats 1.0 and the Orioles have done, and I'm on board. I want to do this. I believe in what Mike Elias has done in Baltimore when everyone else was screaming about how bad for baseball the Orioles' last five years were. I was the one saying, this is brilliant. Uh, it, it doesn't make this any easier. And ideally, your, your pitcher of the year is not – you know, a journeyman in his mid-30s who doesn't strike anyone out. Like, you can be awful and at the same time have some young guys performing, and it it just didn't happen the way they needed it to on the pitching side this year. Maybe if uh, Evan Lee doesn't get hurt, you know, he becomes an integral part of the, ro- the, the not maybe not the rotation, but the staff. You know, maybe if Jackson Tatro doesn't get hurt, he could have pitched to a, a 3.98 or a 4.22 or something, and you could have, you know, given him the award because he had a, a high strikeout rate or whatever. Uh, but it, it just didn't happen that way. Um, all right. The last award they gave out was the Good Guy Award. That was Nelson Cruz. So here's what's interesting about Cruz, who had a really bad year. I mean, just a shell of what they expected him to be is on base plus slugging, 651, lowest since he started playing as a regular for the Rangers back in 2006 when I was in high school. Uh, He got one year and 15 million in March. And at the time, you know, everybody thought, well, this is actually kind of smart. I liked it. Hand up. He'll hit 18 to 20 home runs, and, and then you flip him. And I kind of loved the idea of moving him for a, a you know a, a mid-level pitching prospect or something at the deadline. Well, it got to a point where they couldn't trade him for anything. Uh, they held on to him to help them in their own clubhouse. Um, so the idea was, okay, well, it's year 18. He's going to retire, except that he's not going to retire. I mean, he told Jesse Doherty of The Post that he – is going to keep playing, or wants to at least, next year. He said, if I don't feel like I am having fun, I'll leave, you know. Uh, He went on to say, everybody is here for different reasons. I play to win, to get championships, to win a World Series. That's the ultimate goal that we share. But it is not just my career. It's for everyone around me, too. A lot of people depend on if I play and how I play. Um, He wants to keep playing. Uh, Good luck to him. I, I, you know, this is not personal, but they should go in a different direction. Like Joey Manessis should be their DH next year, or uh, possibly Luke Voigt if they don't move him. I mean, they already have three DHs essentially That's right, right yeah. now. Squad so an easy one to move on from would be Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I, 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 I do wish him the best because he's had a great career and he's a hell of a guy. Great I mean, dude, and you know, really obviously we're talking about him winning the Good Guy Award and how important he was for a lot of the, a lot of their young players, especially young Latin players. Um, where we underestimate how tough it is for you know these guys to deal with the pressure of playing Major League Baseball, and then oh by the way, living in a foreign country where everything from food to customs to the roads are, are not familiar to you. I mean, can you imagine if we had to go do our job in like Brazil? We don't speak the language, and, we're, and they're just like, good luck, guys. F- fend for yourself. I, I wouldn't last five minutes. It's it's unbelievable what, what they're tasked to do and, and how difficult it is at, at times to uh, to assimilate. That's why I was always so impressed just as a quick side with, with Juan Soto, somebody who was determined to do that as, as quickly as possible and taught himself English and, 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 and everything else. But Cruz is 
the kind of guy that you want around until it becomes a detriment, right? And what I mean is he's such a good dude and everybody likes him. That's universal. But being well-liked isn't the only criteria for being a Major League Baseball player, right? The skill set clearly diminished. There's no way around that fact. And he shouldn't be getting at bats. In fact, he probably got at bats for, for too long before this weird eye thing ended up shutting him down. But it's it's the kind of thing that's awkward, that it's painful, that coaches don't like to do, that good guys like Davey Martinez probably don't really enjoy doing. But this is where we are, man. We are not in a place where a guy that's going to turn 43 next July, my age, should be taking at bats away from a kid that's 22, 23, 24 years old for a group that's rebuilding. It's, it's just that's not where we are. It doesn't change his unbelievable career where he, with a decent season this year, could have been knocking on the door of 500 homers uh, if he came back for next season. This was such a disaster in so many different ways, and you alluded to them, not personality-wise, but baseball performance-wise, that it just can't be. We, we, we There has to be a different answer. It's a fairly well. I'll write you a great recommendation. You should probably be a coach uh, sooner rather than later because you're so well-respected, but it just can't be here. It can't be in the way of somebody else. Agreed with all of that, and I think that the plan probably was less to give him all the at-bats all season long and more to just trade him at the deadline, and that backfired, to your point. For those wondering, contractually speaking, uh, Nelson Cruz signed what was a one-year $12 million deal. Now, the reason I said 15 is because there's a $3 million buyout to not bring him back for next season. So there is a second year, an option year on this deal. That let's just say somehow, you know, he would have hit 43 home runs or something this year and found the fountain of youth, and they wanted to bring him back to be their DH next season. Uh, that was a $16 million salary for next year, but it was a mutual option that Cruz will clearly pick up. I mean, he ain't getting $16 million anywhere else. Right. But it doesn't matter because the team won't. And so you buy him out at $3 million, you add that to the 12 mil they paid him this year, and he'll get the $15 million for the one season, and, and that's you know that's just a no-brainer. I mean, it's not even worth really discussing a whole lot more. Uh, that goes without saying. 